0: Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it was on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads answer the show or have sponsorships. So the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot and let's get to the episode. Welcome back to SDR Like The Best, I'm Michael Chang. i have a very special guest today. It is my wife and business partner, Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth.
1: Hi, guys. How are you?
0: It's just me. So folks that are watching this, I'm in the office. Liz is uh, filming in our basement office. And we wanted to start this mini-series within the podcast. And you know, we got a lot of questions on how did you guys launch this business together? And we want to tell you the story behind that. So this will be a multi-part series if you are Couple, we started this as boyfriend and girlfriend back in twenty sixteen when we really started doing the research. And now we're married, we have two kids, and we continue to to grow and scale the business. So really just want to tell you the highs, the lows, how to work together like how we've worked together, the mistakes we've made. I'll start I'll stop talking about let Liz talk, but uh, we're excited to to do this with you. We hope like leave in the comments if you like this format.
1: Awesome. Yeah, very excited to be here. And for those who don't know me yet, I'll give a brief intro. I'm a full-time real estate investor, specifically in the short-term rental space. Also Michael's best partner and wife. And prior to real estate, I worked in corporate sales for nine years for various fashion brands. So very excited to start this series and share our stories with everyone.
0: And just to introduce myself too, I'm 43 years old. We both live in New York. Listen, got married seven years ago. We started dating like 10 years ago in 2014. We started really talking about building a business 2015, 16, right, Liz? And it's been quite a journey. I and mean, we, were, we were actually talking about before, like, how do we actually, like, structure this to, to make it useful? And I think the topic that we'll touch on today is, like, how do you convince your partner, spouse to start a new venture, right? Whether it's real estate yeah. or anything, start a new venture. I'll, I'll just kick it off. I wasn't that interested in real estate. I didn't really have any background in it when I was working in investment banking. I was very, very focused on my work. And it took a lot of convincing for me to actually quit my job. and want to do this. The, really, the, the credit goes to Liz for pushing this in the beginning, especially on the real estate side. So Liz, how, I guess you always loved real estate, right? Because you got your real, even before we met, you got your real estate, you had your real estate. Life. Um,
1: yeah. So I always had the love for real estate. I, I just learned from my father. I knew. Okay. So yes, I always have the love of real estate. I really learned it from my father since young, see how he was able to build his wealth, retirement, through owning real estate. So always knew that was a path I wanted to explore. But while working in W2 in the corporate.
0: Well, like what exactly? You always say a corporate sales, W2. What were you doing exactly?
1: Yeah, so I work for fashion brands doing international sales.
0: What fashion brands?
1: Case Bay. Tiffany and long time ago, also Liz Claiborne. Like that was like almost ten years ago. Yeah. So had a a lot of learned a lot of lesson and actually apply a lot of sales technique to nowadays into the real estate world. So that has been a great experience. But I fundamentally knew working the nine to five wasn't for me. I wanted the freedom to be able to have full control of my time. I think at that time that was my goal. I don't talk about it a lot. The the fundamental why was the reason driving me is I my all my families are in Taiwan and I couldn't have enough time to visit them. Lucky if once a year, most of times like once every three times, uh, once every three years. So in the end, I was thinking this can be it. I'm trading my time for money, for the paycheck, but I lose my family. So this cannot be the I can't go on like this for that long even I stay in the corporate the how many days can I really take off you have 14 days if you go back home that's it you can't have anything else so I told myself I wanted something that had give me the flexi- flexibility on time and real estate seems to be the right thing to do so I started immersing myself with bigger pocket podcast met a lot of real estate investors through just cold calling or networking. So that was great. That's how I kickstart in the real estate journey and then try to convince Mike with multiple attempts.
0: We'll, we'll definitely hit on that. And had I listened to you earlier, we'd be a lot closer to hitting our magic retirement number. But let's go back to, let's talk about your dad. He helped us start this, right? Because he had the, he had the vacant unit in one of the buildings that he owns. And, and when we say buildings, like there's two residential buildings that are like have three units or uh, not be real estate. don't be like oh, we're real estate mongols or anything like that moguls or anything like that but like how did you see like how was that such a formative experience for you to see and i think talk about a little bit about what you saw how he was able to really leverage like a pretty basic job into creating like some pretty decent wealth for himself we just talk about that. I think most people think, oh man, like I have to, because like we both were immigrants, right? And you feel like, oh, I have to have all this money or have this huge corporate job or anything like that. But that's not, that, that wasn't the case. And I didn't actually know this until you told me like later on, like how your dad built his wealth. And I was like, oh wow, that's really cool and interesting actually. I want to talk about that. Why don't you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, so
1: my father built his wealth through really work. At first he was a taxi driver. And so he knew by driving taxi, you're just making a couple hundred a day. So he's like, why don't I just save all my money and buy at that time it was very valuable to own them and you can rent those license plate out in New York city.
0: So just to, so for people people that aren't familiar with New York city, so New York city before actually still now you had to buy like a medallion plate in order to be able to drive a taxi. And this is before Uber. So those are actually really valuable. Those were actually like a real savings vehicle for immigrants to save because they would appreciate in value and they would use that to retire. Now after after uber that that caused big problems Mm -hmm. but sorry that was a savings vehicle so for folks that aren't from new york don't know the taxi medallion thing we have here
1: yes so he was able to i think he used all the saving bought two medallion license and then was renting those out to other people so very early on i learned oh owning the fundamental assets is really what can Give, provide you cash flow, have longevity, and then build long-term wealth. So he started there, and eventually he saved enough and made enough money. He sold the medallion at a high, actually, which is a great timing for him. I think a combination, I wouldn't say luck, but just have the have the eye and because he was in the industry so deeply right so he understand what's the market like what's it's at the top is it the bottom so he knows because he's driving on the street every single day himself so he sold them early on and then used those money and profit to buy the first real estate he owned the primary residence which is a three-family in new york city and that He always told me, one lesson he always told me is use other people's rent payment to pay for your primary residence. So he never, house hacking. So he never paid a dime on his own rent. And that was pretty amazing. So he didn't have that kind of stress every single month. So I have to make the rent. I have to make the mortgage. I could just see him. He has the best lifestyle. He does what he wants. He has a really stable job. It's a W-2 job with a union. So very stable. He worked till he retired, basically.
0: But, so can can yeah. I just want to pause it for a moment? So that was like the fundamental lesson you learned from your dad, right? Was like house hacking, right? And rent is yeah. like 40% of your monthly expenditure. So if you yes. don't have to worry about the rent, right? It's a huge, it's a huge thing you have to worry about every month. So I mean, what you're, what you're saying is your dad taught you buy something, house hack, rent out the other spots. So you can like, close to live for free. Mm-hmm. And you get the appreciation of that real estate. Yeah. I, I do want to move over to like how we use that to launch our business. But maybe just talk a little bit like, so <laughs> your dad started as taxi driver, bought the medallion, like saved everything, bought the medallions, flipped them into basically sold at the high to buying real estate. He had like two buildings, right? He had two yeah, like he
1: sold that, bought the first primary residence and sold it again because it appreciated so much and 1031 into a bigger building where oh, it will bring him even more cash flow and then a house hacking again. So that's it, how it happened.
0: So how he owned, two, but he owned two, right? Before he sold the other one. Yeah. Yeah. He owned two. Yeah. So he owned two, two in, in Queens, New York. One, it was like helpful in our journey because we were able to use that to... Launch the Airbnb business, which will we'll, you know, which I definitely want to hit on. But it's pretty powerful. Right? You learn this from your parents. Like I didn't, I think I never learned this from my parents. <laughs> we did buy our primary home, but we lived in it. And actually, they actually, I didn't realize this until we started doing it. But they house hack too. They, my parents have a very normal single family home in San Francisco. I still remember my dad. He borrowed money from my aunt, and it was like the high. It was 1987, actually, and it was like the high in the real estate bubble. He was really scared to lose the money, but he was like. We have two kids. We were living in a the living room of my uncle, actually. And he's it's not really a way to uh, to raise a family. So we moved here in 84. He like, my dad worked as, my dad worked like as a delivery driver. So he saved him, saved enough money, bought the house. So my brother and I could live there and my, my my mom and all of us. And then he basically finished the basement for his own use and then eventually rented it out. And then that basically basically paid for the house, like basically covered a mortgage from like. Year five to year thirty, it's like fully paid off now. Yeah, it's, very- it's a real way to build. It's a real way to build wealth.
1: Yeah, it's a real way to build wealth. And New York City now, the the rent and housing value is just so expensive. House hacking might be really hard, but plenty of people are still doing it. You can still invest out of state for cash flow to cover your personal primary residence. There's so many other strategies. So I think a lot of people feel discouraged by living in a high expensive state and thinking they can't really re- invest in real estate because the housing price is crazy. But I don't think it's true. Nowadays with all the technology information, there's so many other ways to invest in real estate. So really just want to tell everyone, don't get discouraged. Yeah.
0: yeah, like our student, Brendan, who's in, in our mentorship program since August, <coughs> he does his whole strategy, right? He lives in a kind of fairly high cost area in Florida and wants to buy and house hack. But instead, I think that's a new thing now, right? Instead of house hacking for long term rental, buy, so his plan was to buy. His plan is to buy a duplex, live in one, house hack the other as an Airbnb, just so that he can get that additional cash flow and learn the business. Like, I mean, there are different, and that's the nice thing about real estate. There's so many different ways to play this. Now, let's go back to the like, the topic at hand, like how, like you eventually talked me into this, right? Yeah, thankfully. So
1: probably years, I think it took three four years. years.
0: No, I think two or four years to buy. It took two years. To, for Arbitrage, it took a year and a half. Yeah. We talked about it. And remember, and there was a heated conversation. Remember that, remember that one like argument we had on the F train? Yes, <laughs> I remember. We So you did, you really drove all the, I was working, you did all the research. And then when we first decided, I don't, I actually don't remember this anymore. Like, how did we decide to do that first one?
1: Okay. I remember I really wanted to buy and own assets from the very beginning. I didn't believe in arbitrage myself in the beginning. I was like, oh, renting and re-renting? What is this? i never heard of this. I don't think you can do this. So in the beginning, I was the one actually trying to push to buy. And I was like, I show you some numbers I found short-term rental in the smoke. I was like, look at this number. It's ridiculous. And you're like, oh, these are scam. You can't be real. Those people just trying to make money off you.
0: This is going to be episode two, like the <laughs> probably one of the biggest financial mistakes I've ever made. So we'll, we'll save this for next one.
1: Yeah, we can save it for next one. But that was the very beginning. So I was like, okay, I can't convince you, but I could see how Airbnb can be powerful because the way it generates cash flow. So we at the time when my dad had a vacancy, we had a lipo bulb moment. It's like, why don't we try with our own my, our family's own unit? It's vacant and then see how it goes before we risk everything else. So the capital wasn't that much. it's really just the furniture. It was about like 10k max. At that time, probably it was eight thousand yeah.
0: so, yeah, dollars. yeah, so
1: that's right. how we, how I convinced you to even try it. So we tried it and then you're like, "Oh my God, what is this number?" And that's how we start, like, okay, we got to grow this business
0: Yeah, let's, as let's, fast let's, as possible. Yeah, but let, let's touch on and, and we'll definitely hit on the growth as we hit. We started December 27th, 2016. Yeah. But we'll walk, and we'll talk through the journey, actually. I think I, I do want to, I think even for me and you, actually, I actually just want to talk about it. I think we should just memorialize this for ourselves, actually.
1: Yeah. It's actually fun to now looking back at all look, this. Yeah. Was, the very beginning.
0: It was crazy. So when we first, so look, we first got the unit. I don't remember us really under, I don't think because there were, there wasn't really the data tools out there to underwrite this. I think we, it was just more like talking to people around, I'm just trying to think of, if someone's listening to this, like, how'd you get started? Well, we we got started because one, we had a kind of an easy way to getting a lease because it's family and it was like winter time too. So it was going to be slow renting it out. It was like, if it doesn't work, then all we're out is the furniture. We'll just re-rent it long-term. And then this was a kind of fun experiment and then we move on. And then the furniture, it was 8K. And then let's talk, about the like, we'll talk a little bit about the underwriting and a little bit of the, like, how, how do we actually set it up, the design and everything? I don't remember us. There wasn't, I, I know there wasn't an ARD or any of like the real tools out there. How did we underwrite it? Do you remember?
1: We didn't really, it's just on the spreadsheet. You try to build your model, your <laughs> investment banker model. And then we just play with the numbers and then just based on, that, was any, and. Yeah, there wasn't any tool at that time. We were just going on Airbnb.com and really just look at people around us. Yeah, enemy, yeah, you're right, the, yeah. The enemy method, the famous enemy method by Avery did, right? and Luke. Uh, yes. They branded
0: it. I don't think it was like, they didn't bet it. They just branded it though. Oh, yeah uh, cool.
1: it's really cool so we did that and then just uh, i think we can do this and and then i think at that time we were like okay the worst case we would lose the lease and then move on we're not it wasn't a, we didn't invest like a hundred thousand dollars to buy the property it yeah. was a lease a
0: 2300 lease so and now jogs my memory a little bit i remember it the way i built the model i remember it was just like all right so our lease our rent is this our expenses is this. All right, if we want to make thousand dollars a month, like what we have, what would we have to make? And I remember looking at it, it was like, all right, we can do dollars a month, and then rent it out twenty days. Then it's okay. That's four hundred bucks plus four thousand plus the cleaning, so that's five thousand dollars. Like, okay, can we do two hundred? And then we looked mm-hmm. around. I think we can. I mean, we weren't sure, but it was like it was just worth it to try. I think it was just like get you off my back a little bit too. It was like, all right, because you had done so much work on it too. It's like, we got to try something. We got to, I think this is a lesson too, right? Like you have to just try. Sometimes you, you you never know. It's not guaranteed, but you have to just try. And I, I remember wanting to, I remember being like, one, you were really pushing, you kept pushing it too. I didn't want you to waste all the time and effort into looking at this.
1: Persistence. Persistence. Being persistent but, helps.
0: But also b- making like a real case too, right? Like, yeah. hey, this actually can work. But I think you being flexible too, right? Being like, all right, if he's not ready to buy, I'd never bought anything before, right? Because it was like, even those houses in the Smoky, then were like 400K. With 100K, I was like, "Eh, I don't want to do this. $100,000. Like, I remember having this conversation with you. It was like, dude, we've never bought anything before. Now you want to buy a property in Tennessee that I don't know, have no idea where it is, never been there, put 100K, put Put half a million dollars down, and we're gonna manage this remotely while I'm working full time in banking, and you're working full time. That's nuts.
1: Yeah, I remember that conversation. It was pretty heated. I was like, "You don't understand this number. Have you ever seen this before?" No, and I know. But,
0: and, and that was the thing, yeah. like, when you work and you don't have no yeah, idea, yeah, you just don't have looking, time, yeah. But it's don't have time, but also you don't have a perspective too, right? Yeah. Because for me, my perspective is like stocks. Oh, stocks go up eight percent, right? Or whatever, right? And then when I see big numbers, I'm like, oh, this is a scam. I don't. And, and I think a little bit of just it's like you're protecting yourself too. As in, I'm smart. Like, I know when these are scams. Yeah. And, like, you're too proud to be open-minded. And that, that was for me, the big thing. I was like, too proud to be open-minded. I was, like, I'm the one with the MBA and I'm the one with the investment banking and done billions of deals. This number impossible. doesn't exist. This, is, this must be a scam because I don't understand it. So this is a scam. And that has served me so poorly <laughs> until I changed that thinking. But like that, I think our journey of starting there, right, I think that you were like, at least flexible. I mean, like, all right, we won't do this, but let's at least think about arbitrage. And remember, I think like the idea of arbitrage is actually for your mom.
1: Yes. So to be fair, our par- my parents they are like the people we really need to think, yeah, big time.
0: Yeah. Your so this is mom, her, her friends, people doing rental arbitrage. We actually didn't know about this. We did some research. We like. People were talked about it, but we didn't really put it together until she had someone in her network show her what they were doing in Manhattan. And they were like, these numbers are ridiculous. And they we're like, all right, if, they're can-. And they were like, if they can do it, we can do it. That's how we got started. And that's how, I think, mean, ultimately, I became convinced of it. And listen, you were I guess you were just convinced of it from the beginning, right? This is something that you wanted to do. You to-
1: yeah, I knew Airbnb is something I wanted to tap into, not more more so real estate is something I know I want to get into. Airbnb, just like the timing and everything, it just came along the way and then married the real estate expert pretty well. And then with some design element in there and coming from the fashion industry background, that really helps. So my vision was already there when the idea popped up. Okay, I'm willing to give it a try. If we can't buy, let's rent. Let's prove that it works. And then let's go. Sharpening our pencil operationally and on the analysis as well before we go buy something bigger because in the end of the day it's our own capital, right? It's expensive. Yeah, it's our money. We got to be really smart on investing. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm committed. I'm willing to do this. So I remember you and I worked really hard for the first a year or two, really just on the weekends setting up units, doing the figuring out operation stuff all along. And at that time there wasn't a lot of technology to help you like today we were using manual keys we were answering every questions on our own
0: 24 we 7. our phones we were just using the Airbnb app there was no PMS there was yeah there was a lot of the tooling there <laughs> is now and I think that's what I want to hit on I think on the next episode what should we talk about on the next to so the next episode I think we'll talk about how we launched and yeah, I think we should talk about how we launched. And of so course, if you're listening, if you're interested, like definitely give us a comment, hit us up, let us know if you like this, any topics that you want us to cover. But I think we'll keep this one shorter for now. I want to just introduce this concept, this topic. And you'll just hear it directly from me and Liz on how we launched a business. Ultimately, like the podcast really is to showcase to people that it is possible for everyday normal people to do this. We're, we're very normal everyday people. We bring on guests that have done it as well. So you'll Mm -hmm. hear it directly from us. This six now, seven year journey together.
1: Yeah. And then it's actually, it's very interesting for us to unfold this again, to think back how much growth and progress we have made. And I do think having... As a husband and wife team working together in the beginning is very difficult. If you're seeing another. I have. I always tell people, oh, how do you convince your spouse? I will say in the beginning, first two years, it's really hard. You have to work out all the different ways of thinking. You see a different side of your spouse from work versus at home. So how do you balance that? So I think that's something we want to hit on in the next couple of episodes and really share how we. How we overcome this, these challenges.
0: I know. Well, I'm really easy to work with. Yeah, as a <laughs> investment
1: banker who is skeptical about everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like, there's a the time and place for everything, right? And there's definitely a lot of stuff like when you're working that serves you really well when you're working in a W 2 job, when you're working for someone else. But when you're working for yourself, you have to, there's a lot of those things that have to change and have to pivot because when you work for yourself, like, just one thing, like, it's not about winning, it's about it's not about you winning. It's about everyone winning. And what I mean by that was like, in the beginning, when I looked at it, it's, I have to win this negotiation. I need to win this thing. And if you never leave anything on the table for the other person, there's no relationship. They don't want to work with you anymore. And all ultimately, running a business is like building a successful business. is building relationships around you with your guests, with your landlords, with your vendors, with the people that you work with, with your, with your business partner. So this is an example of one thing that I've learned. And... Yeah, I think this is probably great for us to do, to have, to memorialize this and a little bit cathartic too, at least for me, a lot of the things yeah. that we've gone through. And my hope is that this, if you're listening, if you are someone in a professional services job, like I did this, I started this at 35, I'm 43 now I'm at 35. So it wasn't like 21 when I started this. So it's not about when, what age you are, but it's just like the mindset, are you ready to do this? I think that's a much more important thing mm. that... I want to just make sure that that folks understand. I'll leave you the last word, please.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the cool—I would end with this. One of the coolest thing I think I have seen for ourselves is the personal growth for both of us in terms of building a business together. And then, build, how do we think about our family for the future? The business actually helped a lot as we started building our family, which I never thought of. So that's something. I guess a. a Pretty big, unexpected benefit that, that I found. I really want to hit on that too for the next episode. But I do think building your own business is one of the coolest thing, one of the hardest things too that you can do. But the reward is so worth it. And I will leave it at that. And then we will talk more about it next episode.
0: I right, hope, folks. Liz, thanks for doing this. It took a little convincing. But I'm glad, glad we were able to do this. And then... Hopes folks, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we look forward to making more for you guys. All right. Day. Thank you. Bye.